am not God. And I want you to get this even clearer. You are not God. And now for Innocent Sacrifice. Amen, amen, and amen. I think this is my third sit-down sermon. Out of the ten where God told me to sit down as I talk to you upon this day, and today is one of those messages that is, can I may need to sit down on. Bow your heads. Dear Heavenly Father, I just am so forever grateful. Father, I'm grateful for the load. I am grateful for the strength to carry the load. And Father, I thank you for the destiny that you have shown. Though it may be a path that may have mountains and struggles and strains, you have equipped us. And I thank you for that. And Father, I just thank you for the level of blessing that you have bestowed and the level of weight that you have bestowed, that we may grow stronger within you and that we may know you. I pray today that you take control of my mind, my spirit, my very voice and inflection. I pray you open the hearts and minds of the people who are destined to hear and heed upon this day. In thy son Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And God did two things as I was even sitting there in the pulpit just a few minutes before I was supposed to speak. Number one, he changed the title from what I had to what he wanted. Radically different. Number two, he spoke that there's going to be a person that this message will affect a decision that they will have to make six months from now. Not even today, but six months from now. And I have just seen how God can move and he'll put a thing in place long before it's needed. Sometimes months, sometimes years. I got a text a few days ago from a person who had been, their company had gone out of business, they had been searching for a job and they were getting increasingly anxious. And I tell you, I said, you'll get an offer in 30 days. And they texted me and they said, I got an offer today, and it's exactly 30 days from when you spoke that. So in six months, somebody's going to have a decision to make that this message today will influence and affect. I had planned on having the Bible speaker play today to read this chapter, but I've decided I'm going to read it myself because he changed the title there are a few points I just want to emphasize that the Bible speaker 
may not emphasize those relevant points. This is Revelation chapter 12, and I rarely speak from Revelation because Revelation is a... It ain't a whole lot of Revelation about Revelation. Revelation is just a twisty book of the Bible that is... I even took a class just dealing with Revelation, and even there I saw there were three different parts of Revelation there's a huge section of Revelation that has already been fulfilled. There is a section that is being fulfilled now, and then there's a section that's destined to be fulfilled in the future. And all of it is symbolic. It's got all these symbols that you try to interpret to figure out what it means, and it's really twisty. John, who wrote Revelation, and this is where we took a brother's trip a few years back, and they had two places that were supposedly where John lived. One was where the tourist went. And it was kind of elaborate, big, kind of like a three, four bedroom home. And the other was this place where an Australian couple had told us the place the tourists go is not really where John the Revelator lived. So he lived in a cave way up in, a, in the mountains. And he told us how to get there, and we went there. And if you all remember, when I had the crash on the Isle of Patmos, when I felt a force yank that scooter out from under me, I was headed to that cave. And God told me later many things about that crash, but one of the things, he said, that cave is not your destiny. Because it kind of appealed to me, the humbleness of it, the simpleness of it, but he said, that cave is not your destiny. Sometimes God trying to take you to something that's grander than what you really are comfortable with and what you want. He's trying to take you to a mansion and you want to stay in a cave. He's trying to take you to filet mignon and you want to eat chitlins. Sometimes God is trying to take you to places where you've been so used to and you've gotten so comfortable. But he's trying to take you up higher. So Revelations chapter 12, this is written by John the Revelator. A great and wondrous sign appeared in heaven. A woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, and a crown of 12 stars on her head. She was pregnant and cried out in pain as she was about to give birth. This is the first image that I want you to put in your mind. Now, I don't know what all this other stuff is. Woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, and a crown of 12 stars around her head. There's all this stuff that is symbolic, and I'm not sure about what all that means. There's a lot of interpretations about the meaning of that in astrology and a lot of other stuff, but the image that I do understand, she was pregnant and cried out in pain as she was about to give birth. Then another sign appeared in heaven. An enormous red dragon with seven heads and ten horns and seven crowns on his heads. His tail swept a third of the stars out of the sky and flung them to the earth. The dragon stood in front of the woman who was about to give birth so that he might devour her child the moment it was born. First image, 
Here is a woman about to give birth, crying out in pain. So this was the moment of delivery. This was the moment of birth. Second image. Here's this huge red dragon with all of these heads, with all of these crowns on his head. There's been a lot of stuff about who the seven heads are, the seven crowns. But the image I want you to get real clear, here was this big red dragon. And the dragon was standing in front of the woman. The woman was about to give birth and the dragon's intent was to eat and devour the woman's child the minute it was born. She gave birth to a son, a male child, who will rule all the nations with an iron scepter. And her child was snatched up to God and to his throne. The woman fled into the desert to a place prepared for her by God, where she might be taken care of for 1260 days, which is exactly 42 months. And there was war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought back. But he was not strong enough, and they lost their place in heaven. The great dragon was hurled down. That ancient serpent called the devil or Satan, who leads the whole world astray. He was hurled to the earth and his angels with him. Then I heard a loud voice in heaven say, Now have come the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ. For the accuser of our brothers who accuses them before our God day and night has been hurled down. They overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. They did not love their lives so much as to shrink from death. Therefore rejoice you heavens and you who dwell in them. But woe to the earth and the sea. Because the devil has gone down to you. He is filled with fury because he knows that his time is short. When the dragon saw that he had been hurled to the earth, he pursued the woman who had given birth to the male child. This is the third image that I want you to understand. First image, here was a woman crying out in pain, about to give birth. Second image, here was this huge dragon in front of the woman waiting for the child that he might devour the child. Third image, this dragon filled with fury and he saw that he'd been hurled to earth. He pursued the woman who had given birth to the male child. The woman was given two wings of a great eagle so that she might fly to the place prepared for her in the desert where she would be taken care of for a time, times and half a time, out of the serpent's reach. Then from his mouth the serpent spewed water like a river to overtake the woman and sweep her away with the torrent. But the earth helped the woman by opening its mouth and swallowing the river that the dragon had spewed out of his mouth. Then the dragon was so enraged at the woman and went off to make war against the rest of her offspring. 
those who obey God's commandments and hold to the testimony of Jesus. I actually had another title, another angle, but I heard God speak two words for the title of the message today. Simply, innocent sacrifice. Innocent sacrifice. There is no remission of sin without blood. It's a verse really out of Hebrews, the ninth chapter. And it basically says in a nutshell, when there is sin, there must be blood to atone from that sin. And when you read the Old Testament and you see how much God demanded sacrifice. And I, I went through and calculated that once. And I said, my goodness, you're talking about 3,000 animals here and 5,000 here? Do you realize with sheep and goats, do you realize how much blood that is in a day? I mean, can you just imagine, I mean, just to even kill a thousand sheep. Do you know how much blood that is? That's a river of blood. It wasn't just no one little creature. There were thousands. And all this blood running out of the temple. Because the people had done so much sinning that God demanded that an animal be sacrificed that was innocent to cover the sins of man who was guilty. And it was innocent sacrifice to cover the sins of the guilty. And they overcame the devil by three things. And the first was the blood of the lamb. And it is why Jesus came so that we no longer have to have all of that heavy-duty blood sacrifice to try to atone for our sins. But I wanted you to understand the images of the 12th chapter of Revelation. Here was a woman crying out in pain about to deliver a special child. It's not the first time the devil has come after a special child. They came after Moses and commanded, the king commanded that every male child be killed. And that's why Moses was put in the basket in the river so he could escape that command. And the king told the midwives, when you see a girl, let the girl live. But if you see a male child, don't let that child live. When Jesus was coming and the wise men went to Herod and told Herod, the Messiah was coming, Herod told them, well, when you find him, let me know so I can go and worship him too. And Herod's intention, another king, was to kill the Messiah. And then when he discovered that the wise men didn't come back, he sent out his army and said, kill every child two years and under. And it was the greatest amount of lamenting 
that's mentioned in the Bible because all of those mothers lost all of those children. And, you know, sometimes you wonder why God does certain things. And you all say it looks like to me. It looks like to me. It looks like to me if I were God, I'd have just told the wise men don't go to Herod in the first place. Wouldn't that make good sense? Because God told the wise men don't go back to tell Herod that this is where Jesus is. I'd have just told the wise men don't go to Herod in the first place. Then he wouldn't have been looking for Jesus and he wouldn't have killed all of those babies. And God had to know Herod's heart. So why did God allow the wise men to go to Herod in the first place? So it looks like to me, I wouldn't have done that. But I want you all to get this really, really clear. I am not God. And I want you to get this even clearer. You are not God. And the things that we think God shouldn't have done or we could have thought of a better way, you don't know the whole picture. You don't know why. You don't know God sees a thousand generations in the future and we don't even know what's going to happen this afternoon. So we can't judge the wisdom and the maneuverings of a divine being with an infinite knowledge and power compared to our little limited stuff. And we'll often say, it looks like to me it ought to be this way. I can't explain why. But I can tell you this, and we've got this verse at my office because all of these symbols of Revelation 12 we have at the fountain at my office. We've got the world's largest wooden eagle. We have two marble lions. We have a statue of Jesus. The Bible speaker plays there 24-7. We've got a statue of the woman with two eagle wings. And we've got this excerpt from Revelation in a stainless steel plaque by the woman. A woman who was about to give birth. And there is Satan standing in front of the woman to devour the child. God snatches the child, places the woman in the desert for 42 months. Satan becomes so angry that he chases after the woman, tries to kill her again. And she still is protected by God. And Satan is so mad that he says, I will pursue her offspring. For the rest of my days. I read a book not too long ago. And the book is called The Return of the Gods. It's by Jonathan Kahn. Jonathan Kahn has written a series of books and I've read all of them. They're real thick books. The Harbinger is his most famous book. The Harbinger dealt with 911 and all of the biblical significance that was a Around and surrounding that incident. It was prophesied in biblical times. When you see the correlation, it'll chill you. He wrote the Harbinger. He wrote the Harbinger 2. He wrote the Smita. 
And his latest book is The Return of the Gods. And the book's basis is that all of the pagan gods that existed then exist now. And that the rise of Christianity routed out those pagan gods. And they were bad. They were enraged because as Christianity rose, they diminished. And they hated Christians. And they said, what can we do to get back and get our revenge against these Christian folk? Satan was enraged with the woman because he could not get her child. And in the return of the gods, it talks about the nature of the pagan gods because the Bible doesn't go into the detail of the nature of the pagan gods. And the nature of the pagan gods, there were two primary strengths of the pagan gods. Number one was child sacrifice. That's why you read in the Bible so when they brought the children and put them in the fire to Molech, it was talking about Child sacrifice. It was the number one thing that empowered the pagan gods. That you brought your child and your child was slain on the altar because it was innocent sacrifice. And just as in the Christian tradition, there is a power in innocent blood. And it doesn't matter whether it is for the good or the evil the power principle remains the same. That's why there's all these rumors and conspiracy theories about the power elite still sacrificing children because there's a power in innocent blood just like there's a power in the blood of Jesus, in the blood of the lamb. And in all of those innocent lambs, and goats, sheep that they sacrificed and bulls that they sacrificed in the Old Testament, Number one was child sacrifice. That was the number one characteristics of the pagan gods. But they had another strong characteristic that I did not know until I read the book. And Jonathan Kahn is a rabbi. He's a Jewish rabbi. But he's a Jewish messianic rabbi, which means he knows all of the Jewish law, all of the Jewish history, but he believes Jesus is the, is the Messiah. And the second characteristic of the pagan gods is gender reversal. Y'all thought that was new. When folk don't know whether they man or woman or what, y'all thought that was something new. No, that ain't new. That's ancient. But it was the power of the pagan gods. And when they came in, it changed men into women and women into men. And I know this controversial. Both of these things are controversial as I don't know what. But remember this. The serpent was the most subtle of all the creatures. That boy, good. You think we've got some good propaganda folk and good media folk? Oh, no, no, you ain't nothing compared to that. 
He can make you imagine and believe the things that are right or wrong and the things that are wrong or right. That boy, good. He always has been and he always will be until he is destroyed. He is the master deceiver. And you ain't smart as he is. You are not as experienced as he is. He's good. And his purpose from the beginning is to steal to kill and to destroy. And here, here is the woman crying in pain as she's about to give birth. And here is the dragon waiting to devour the child. Does that sound familiar to anything going on today? And when God saved the child, it made Satan so mad that he vowed he would never stop pursuing the woman and her offspring. Does that sound familiar today? And I know it's a controversial subject. And it's a subject that the black Christian church is liberal. Let me give you the definition of liberal. Liberal means doing what you want to do. That's it in a nutshell. It's doing what you... That's why the brilliant marketing between the... what used to be called abortion and anti-abortion, they changed it. They changed it to pro-life and pro-choice. Brilliant marketing. But the boy always been good. Y'all know how many black folk been killed with lynching? And I took my company to Montgomery. We went to see the lynching institute, and they have this big thing with all these names of all the folk who have been lynched. I think it's several thousand. And it, when you walk through that exhibit and you see, got all of the stories, and, and they're just hanging on these plaques in all of the states where all of the lynchings occurred, and all of the black people that have been lynched all since the beginning of the U.S., and since they've had a record of it. It's just awe-inspiring. And I think they have a record of, I can't remember exactly, somewhere between five and 10,000 folk were lynched. Y'all know how many folk black have been aborted? Anybody know? 19 million. 19 million. That boy good. When you read the book, The Return of the Gods, it talks about how the gods were so enraged that the Christian movement booted them out, that they focused on how can we get back and how can we have revenge on these Christians. And the woman cried in pain as she was about to give birth. And Satan stood in front of her, waiting to devour the child, but he couldn't get the child dead. He had to wait. And he is a patient rascal. Because at one point, we were too deeply rooted in God to be fooled. And trust me, I understand both sides of that argument. I really do. 
Both sides of the argument, I understand thoroughly. And there are situations and there are cases. And then you got the issue of, well, if you had 19 million more black folk, and then if you didn't have provisions for them, it's going to cause all this. So I understand all of that. But never forget, you're dealing with the most subtle creature, the trickiest. He convinced Eve. He went after the woman in the garden. That's why the movement now is a woman's choice. Understand the parallels and understand the trickiness of this rascal. This rascal, good, he will make you think cake. He'll make you think crap is cake. That boy, good. He always has been, and he has no good outcome plan for you. That boy, good. The clan may have killed 50, 100,000. Maybe, maybe, because a lot of them we don't even know. Maybe. He done killed 19 million right out in the open. That boy, good. And the thing about it, he got the church rooting for him. That's the thing. He got the church rooting for him. And God told you back then, Choose your life or death. It's your choice. It's being, that boy, good. He's always been good. And he's always had more folk than God. Always. And he's going to have more folk than God in judgment day. He's not just good. He's effective. He's effective. He's efficient. He's patient. He's powerful, he's knowledgeable, he's wise. But you give and say, yeah, that boy, good. There was a war in heaven, and it took all of the angels, and it took all the angels to get him out. That boy, good, he's powerful. God had a battle with him. See, a war is a war. A war ain't just, it wasn't just an execution or an exile. No, it was a war. And when you got a war, you got a battle on your hand. He's always been good. He's always been powerful. And he's always been tricky. He'll make you think this is right. This is what you ought to do. He'll make you think you're in control. You're making your decision. He'll make you think all of that. All of the time, waiting to devour seed of the woman. Man wasn't in there. Man wasn't there in the garden. And they put the Planned Parenthood centers smack in the middle of black neighborhoods all over America. And we think it's the hooded folk who come in to get us and all that. Mm-mm. 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 They killed hundreds of thousands more with our consent. That boy, good. And this is a controversial message. I know it is. There's no question about this. Pat, you don't understand. Yes, I do understand. I understand he's good. And I understand he has enticing stuff that makes logical sense. If you eat this, you shall not die. 
and you will be as wise, your eyes will be open, and you'll be like God's. And it was true. They didn't die in that day. It was true. And their eyes were open, and they saw that they were naked. But it cost them paradise. The devil will never tell you the whole picture. He'll give you the things that will make you satisfied and comfortable and please you right then. He'll never tell you the whole picture. He will never tell you the outcome. He will never tell you this thing. No, you're going to enjoy this. You're going to have pleasure. I ain't even after you. I'm after your grandchild. I don't care nothing about you. Because if I can change you and move you in this direction, I'm going to have all of your offspring for the next thousand years. Or they won't even be born because I'm going to have 19 million of them that will never see the earth. And we're wondering right now why we don't have a leader. There isn't one in our race. There's nobody. There's nobody we can point to and say, this is our leader. Because God always sent a human to bring the people out. He always sent a human. Remember who Satan was trying to get was the son who would rule the nations with an iron rod and would save the people? We may not have one now because we done killed him. He was never born. Herod may have won for our generation. They tried to kill the Savior, the human Savior, every time. But what makes you think he's given up now? Innocent sacrifice. And I can understand why God said this will affect somebody six months from now. I don't even know whether they're in this church or not. But there's a decision that you'll have to make or you may have to influence someone. And, and I understand the difficulty. It's not that I don't. I understand the choice. I understand wanting to be in control of your body. I understand you want to be to make your own stuff or this stuff. Look, I done done that. Trust me. Trust me. I understand it. But I also understand who's behind it. So when you understand who's behind it, no matter how it look, because the boy makes a good argument. Oh, you, <laughs> you, my son George and Genesis, they were on the debate team. This is probably the best debate team. Well, it's proven. It's the best debate team in the world. They won an international championship for the last, it's the best debate team in the world. So they are phenomenal debaters. They have phenomenal logic. But they don't hold a candle to that rascal. That rascal good. And he knows your inner desires and all of the stuff. He just knows all of the stuff that just, you know, excites you. It tempts you. He knows it. He knows how to dangle this stuff. And he knows how to make it sound good to you and enticing and right and easy. He just won't show you the after effects 10 years later. And you feel it and you don't understand why God is sending this message today. And this not even for most of you. For a small sliver, for whatever purpose. 
that'll change a decision six months from now. Innocent sacrifice. He has not stopped his pursuit of the children. If anything, he's intensified. And it is the most divisive political issue Period. It's not gun control, not the economy, not the war and the military and all this. No, the most divisive and perhaps the biggest issue right now in this country is the fight over whether we kill the children or not. Now, Pastor, you shouldn't put it like that. That's what it is. That's what it is. So that's the most divisive fight right now. I'm going to be honest. The black church on the wrong side. I don't want to stand before God and go, which one you vote for? I don't want to be standing before God. I'm voted to kill the children. I don't want to be standing before God and say that. I just don't. But I do understand both sides. I really, really do. And sometimes to do what's right, just not convenient got issues with it and usually when you get to the point of where you're having to make a decision like that you messed up with some stuff you shouldn't have been doing to start with so the best thing to do don't do the stuff you shouldn't have been doing to start with so you won't even be in that position but sometimes it happens so what do we do and with so much and so many and those 19 million souls the pagan gods have returned in force and we don't know whether we men or women or what. I had somebody I'm very close to who was handling an event, and the coordinator of the event said he is a white gay man that identifies as a black gay woman. I said, what? <laughs> I mean... This was the power of the pagan gods. They confused gender. And y'all thought this was new. No, it's not new. Ancient. And those gods are ancient and they are real. You can't believe in angels without believing in the other side. They are real. And they have power and they're ancient. So they know the buttons to push. Sometimes the only protection we've got, because we are just not smart enough, the only protection we have is to follow the word and the wisdom of God. It's the only thing that protects us. He gave us the blood of Jesus. The blood of the Lamb, the word of their testimony, and them not loving their life unto death. That's how they defeated us. But all three of those are tough. Because to fully accept Jesus, you got to... It's not easy. That's why it's so few. It's not easy. Word of your testimony. That's another whole sermon all by itself. And not living your life under death, that's another whole sermon all by itself. I don't even have time to get into that. That's enough for today. The person 
a sliver of people who need to receive this have gotten the message. It ain't for most folk. It's not. It's for a small remnant. And six months from now, you'll have a decision to make. Bow your heads. Dear Heavenly Father, I just pray that upon this day, this word, though it may be different, controversial, bitter to some, regretful to others, it is what you have ordained to be spoken in this hour. Father, I just pray that the six months from now, when that decision needs to be made, that this message shall come back to remembrance and the right path shall be followed and the dragon shall not devour the child of the woman. In thy son Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I'm going to ask Pastor James to close us out for today. Amen. We thank Pastor for just taking us. I would say it was ironic. He took a stand while seated. <laughs> Amen. Thank God for his boldness and just following the leading of God. Amen. I just got a text, and text was from my youngest son, George. George has never texted me before after a sermon. Never. He texts me three words. Exceptional sermon, Father. That's it. Amen, amen. And it's like I said earlier, even the decisions we make as parents affect our children. So it had a great impact even upon his son. So we not only make choices for our lives, but those watching us. So we thank God for pastor following the leading of God and not worried about being politically correct, but he's worrying about being divinely correct. And those are two different things. You can only have one master. And I choose to serve the one who runs it all. Amen, amen. Well, with heads bowed, is anybody in this place? You don't know God in the forgiveness of your sins or if you've known him and you've strayed away and the message today has touched your heart and you say, Lord, I want to come back and get things right. The altar is open and God's loving arms are wide open for you no matter what you've done God is a forgiving God sent his son to die for you but you have to receive him you have to repent second appeal if you've been hearing the word here and God is leading you to join this body of believers the doors of the church are open and you can come for membership at this time so either one of those two appeals 
Amen. Well, I can stand to your feet. And uh, I just have a testimony about what Pastor preached about. Uh, my bonus daughter came to me when she was pregnant, and she asked me what was my opinion about her having a baby. And after listening to what she said, she said that father wasn't going to be involved. And I told her to abort the baby. And I was in my prayer closet one day, and I wasn't even thinking about that advice that I gave her. And God began to speak to me and to just shake me up. And he told me, he said, I'm the one that put babies in the birth canal. You don't have no right to tell nobody to abort nothing that I have put there. And I mean, I felt my prayer closet shake when God got through disciplining me on that. So I just want to say that we don't have a right to abort what God has put in the womb. So that's my testimony. Thank you. Thank you. And you had to be here today just to give that testimony. So we thank you. Thank you. Well, let us pray. Lord, we just thank you for the word that you sent today, oh Lord. We thank you, Lord, for the gift of children, oh Lord. And we thank you for the revelation today, oh Father, that we would honor that gift, oh Father, and honor life. Thank you for Miss Brenda's testimony, for having her here, oh Lord, with such a powerful testimony. There are no accidents, coincidences, or chance, oh Lord. We thank you for giving her the boldness and the inspiration to give it, oh Lord. And we just praise you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. There's some of you, and you've had abortions, and it's bothering you. And I, I've gone to people, and I've prayed with women as they were dying. And it always comes up on their deathbed. Pastor, I had an abortion when I was 20 or whatever. And that thing has always bothered me. It's never left my spirit. I'm not going to ask anybody to come down because that's a private and that's a personal thing. But, but what I would want you to do is this. I want you to go to brothersoftheword.com, hit contact. And you don't have to put your email address. You can just put me at email.com. You can stay totally anonymous. But what I do want you to put there is I want you to put, I had an abortion at X age and I, trust me, I understand this is, no, this is no judgment. I understand that. But you ain't been at peace with it since. And the blood of the Lamb washes all things clean. So I want you to just go there. I want you to submit it totally anonymous. We don't need to know who you are. But we're going to pray for you. And that it shall wash any guilt or stains clean from your mind and from your spirit. God can forgive anything and all of us done made some boo-boos in life. So it is not judgment. It is the blood of the Lamb. And the blood of the Lamb covers the decisions that we make. And some of us made the decisions with the knowledge we had at the time. Some of us had folk who advised us to do that. I understand all of that, but you still have never been comfortable with it. So go to the website, brothersoftheword.com. Hit contact us. Don't put your email address, just use me at email.com and type out your situation without any identifying information. 
but as much detail as you feel comfortable placing there. And I am personally going to pray over every single one of those requests for forgiveness and cleansing of mind and spirit. Go in peace. You are listening to brothersoftheword.com. This was the message titled, Innocent Sacrifice, by Nathaniel Bronner. This message is number 2019. That's 2019. To listen to thousands of free messages, or to send this message number 2019 to a friend, go to brothersoftheword.com. If this message has been a blessing to you, and you would like to help support this ministry, go to IWantToGive.com. That's IWantToGive.com. Listen to brothersoftheword.com often, because brother you need. Word. Oh,